Today we will be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. We began last week with our Father in heaven, and we continue today. Hear the word of the Lord. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips, your people's ears and hearts, that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Sometimes we simply don't know what to pray. We're like the kid who was taking a test, and at the end of the test, he says, Lord, please, please let Paris be the capital of England. We don't know the words to pray. We don't know whether we're getting it right. Sunday school class had some youngsters who were praying the Lord's Prayer, and one of them said, Our Father who art in heaven, how'd you know my name? Last week we talked about our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Believers everywhere, in every language, in every time zone, in every nation, among every people, are our brothers and sisters. We're not in this alone. And when we think about the good of the world, we think not just about my own personal good or your personal good, but but our personal good. We are in this together, and the Father is our Father. We are united with those of all times and all places who have had faith in Jesus Christ. We talk to our Father. Now, think about the best Father figure that you've ever seen in your life. That may or may not be your own dad. It may or may not be the friend of of any father or any of your friend's fathers. It might be someone you've observed from the outside, but someone that you have a good respect for, our Father. God is not a nebulous cloud of energy. God is not some spiritual murky force. God is personal, and God is personal in a way that is best called Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. Today we get to what I call the three that are one, because all three of these come under the same umbrella. The first is, hallowed be thy name on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Each of these three petitions falls under the on earth as it is in heaven category. The three that are one, if God's name is holy, if God's kingdom has come, then God's will is being done and vice versa. If God's will is being done and God's kingdom has come, God's name is being revered. These are three that are inseparable. And you and I, as we pray, not always knowing what to pray, we nonetheless pray that 
something that is happening in the heavenly realm will replicate itself in our own lives, in our own families, in our own communities. The temple in ancient Israel was seen to be this extraordinary place, and there was nothing like it. The temple in ancient Israel was seen to be both somewhere on earth. You could walk to get there. You could go up the hill to go up to Jerusalem. But it was also seen to be the dwelling place of God himself. And so when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, on the one hand, he was at a geographical place on earth. You can come up with the coordinates of latitude and longitude for where the priest was standing. On the other hand, it was understood that the priest was in the presence of God. In some sense, the priest was both in heaven and on earth simultaneously when he entered the Holy of Holies. This was the place where God and humanity intersected. The next time you have a chance to go into an Eastern Orthodox church, especially a larger Eastern Orthodox church, pay attention to how things are arranged. And at the front of the sanctuary of an Orthodox church, you will see heavenly things. You'll see saints. You'll see angels. You'll see representative representative iconography of, of the enthroned Jesus Christ. You will see that because in Orthodox theology, to be in church, to be in the place where the sacrament is served, you are at once participating in something that is earthly and something that is heavenly at the same time. Now, we as Christians also have this amazing doctrine of the person of Christ that in Jesus Christ who is both fully God and fully human we have this inseparable intersection of God and humanity in Jesus so that God God's kingdom comes the Lord's Prayer is in this whole section in the Gospel of Matthew where from that time on, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's Jesus who comes to perfectly accomplish the will of God in the world. It's Jesus who glorifies the name of the Father. And you and I as Christians have some small claim to this, this miracle of incarnation. You and I as Christians are told that our bodies are the temple of the living God. That the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Now, we know that there's very much of the old life that is left within us. We know that if someone rear-ends us on the way to eat lunch today, our first reaction and our first response might not be the holy reaction and the holy response. We know that the first telemarketer that calls us in a day we might be kind to, but the seventh will get an earful. We know. But hear me, dear Christians. 
the temple, this intersection of God and humanity, the church, this intersection of God and humanity, the person of Jesus Christ, this intersection of God and humanity, the Spirit of God dwells within you. And there is the potential in your life and in our life together for heaven and earth to meet. For God's kingdom to come. For God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this doesn't automatically happen. As we grow in grace, as we grow in faith and hope and love, as, as we take on the image of Christ, as we grow in sanctification... As we become a people who are defined not by our desires for things of the world, but by our desires for the things of God, this prayer, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, gets played out in our own lives, in our own families, in our groups of friends. In the church, there is this intersection of heaven and earth. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, I am there among them. Right here today, as these candles are lit, as these hymns are sung, as the gospel is read, right here today in this room is taking place something of the intersection of God and humanity as we share in God's life. Hallowed be thy name when God's name is revered and honored. If we were doing a highly liturgical service today, we would sing glory be to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory be to God on high. When we glorify God, there is something that happens on this plane. There's something that happens among God's people. When we glorify God, life on earth changes. Thy kingdom come. Imagine an army going out to take a plot of land and and raising a flag. And when the flag has been raised, something has been claimed. Dear Christian, when you do the will of God, when you allow God's kingdom to come into your life, when you allow your family or your friendships or your Sunday school class to do something because it is the will of God, it is as if you have raised God's flag in a foreign land and said, I have claimed this family for God. I have claimed this parent-child relationship for God. We have claimed this Sunday school class for God, this small group, this choir, whatever it is. We have raised the flag. And though everything in the world might seem to be against us, there is a place where God's kingdom has broken into the chaos. There is a place where the reality of God's love has intersected 
with the chaotic nature of human life, there is a place where heaven and earth meet. In his book, The Gospel According to Jesus, Chris Shea shares a story. He said, One week I was preaching in our church about the kingdom that is coming, and on the way out a young man grabbed me and he said, Pastor, the kingdom is already here. He said, Every Sunday I used to be in the same neighborhood. I used to come down here to a bar called Emo's, and I'd start every night with a drop of ecstasy on my tongue, and I'd wash it down with Bacardi. That's what I did Sunday after Sunday. And now I come to a worship service instead. And I finish the evening with the body of Christ on my tongue, and I wash it down with the blood of Christ. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God here in our midst. Hallowed be thy name on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come and we plant the flag of God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Tony Campolo's book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, shares an experience he had one night in Hawaii. He found a little place that was still open at 2.30 in the morning. He describes it as a sleazy place where he was afraid to touch the menu for fear that something gruesome would crawl out. It was the only place I could find, he said. The large guy behind the counter came over and said, what do you want? He said, I wanted a cup of coffee and a donut. And he poured a cup of coffee with his grimy hand and picked up a donut and placed it on a plate. Campolo says, I'm a realist. I know that in the back room of that restaurant, donuts are probably dropped on the floor and kicked around. But when everything is out front where I'm looking at it, I wish he had used a pair of tongs and placed the donut on some wax paper. And he sat there for a while sipping his coffee until 3.30 in the morning and suddenly the door to the diner opened up and in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place. He said they sat on either side of me. Their talk was loud and crude. Campolo says, I felt completely out of place and I was just about to leave when I overheard the woman beside me say, tomorrow's my birthday, I'm going to be 39. Her friend next to her said in a nasty tone, so what do you want from me, a birthday party? What do you want? You want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday? Come on, Campolo says. The woman next to him said, Why do you have to be so mean? I was just telling you. That's all. Why do you have to put me down? I was just telling you that it's my birthday. I don't want anything from you. I mean, why should you give me a birthday party? I've never in my life had a birthday party. Why would I have one now? Tony Campolo says, when I heard that, I made a decision. I sat and I waited until the woman had left. And then I called the big guy from behind the counter and asked him, do they come here every night? 
Yeah, he answered. The one next to me, does she come here every night? Yeah, he said, that's Agnes. Yeah, she comes in every night. Why do you want to know? Because I heard her say that tomorrow is her birthday. What do you say you and I do something about that? What do you think about us throwing a birthday party for her right here tomorrow night? This large man had a smile that slowly crossed his chubby cheeks, and he answered with measured delight, That's great. I like it. That's a good idea. And he called to his wife, who did the cooking in the back, Hey, come out here. This guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow is Agnes's birthday, and this guy wants to go in with us and throw a birthday party for us right here tomorrow night. His wife came out of the back room all bright and smiley. She said, that's wonderful. You know, Agnes is one of those people who's really nice and kind, but nobody ever does anything nice for her. Look, I said, if it's okay with you, I'll get back here tomorrow morning about 2.30 and decorate the place. I'll even get a birthday cake, said Campolo. And Harry, the guy behind the counter, said, no way, the birthday cake's my thing, I'll make it. So at 2.30 in the morning... Campolo was back at the diner. He had picked up crepe paper decorations from the store and made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. He decorated the diner from one end to the other. Had the place looking good. The woman who did the cooking had gotten the word out. By 3.15, Campolo says, Every prostitute in Honolulu was in that place. He said, it was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 on the dot, the door to the diner swung open, and in came Agnes and her friend. Campolo had everybody ready. He was kind of the MC of the affair. And when they came in, everybody screamed, happy birthday. And he writes, never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so stunned, so shaken. Her mouth fell open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm to steady her. And as she was led to sit on one of the stools along the counter, we all sang happy birthday to her. And as we came to the end with happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday to you, her eyes moistened. And then when the birthday cake with all the candles on it was carried out, she lost it and cried openly. Harry, behind the counter, said, Blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles. And after an endless few seconds, he did just that. And then he handed her a knife and said, Cut the cake, Agnes. Yo, Agnes, we all want some cake. And Agnes looked down at the cake. Then without taking her eyes off of it, she slowly and softly said, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if I... I mean, it's okay if I kind of... What I want to ask you is, can I keep the cake for a little while? I mean, is it all right if we don't eat it right away? Harry shrugged and said, sure, it's okay. If you want to keep the cake, keep the cake. Take the cake home if you want to take the cake. Can I? She said. And then looking at Tony Campolo, she said, I live just down the street a couple of doors. I want to take the cake home, okay? I'll be right back, honest, I will. 
She got off the stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like the Holy Grail, walked slowly toward the door. Campolo said, we all stood there motionless as she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place, and he says, not only did I not know what to do, I just broke the silence with the first thing I thought of, and I said, well, what do you say we pray now? He writes, looking back on it now, it seems more than strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But then it just felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. And when I finished... Harry leaned over the counter, and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he said, Hey, you never told me that you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? He says, In one of those moments when the words came just right, I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment, and then he almost sneered as he answered, No, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I'd join a church like that. Dear Christians, when we pray, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are inviting an intersection of heaven and earth to take place in our own personal experience, in the experiences of ourselves with those that we love, with our children and with our neighbors, with our church family, with our denomination, with our brothers and sisters of other denominations around the community, we are inviting God to do His thing among us. Will you pray? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.